It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 213 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, October 24th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean, and the show is on Twitter as well at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. Locked On Raptors, of course, is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which hosts team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On NBA with David Locke. And you can find those all together in the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. It's a big week for the network. Uh, lots of big news coming down. Uh, we're switching over platforms. Uh, again, I don't think you'll notice that in your feed, but if you do, let me know. Uh, that, that, that might actually be done today. So just uh, if there's any issues, please let me know, but it should be all smooth. Uh, and we've also partnered with FanRag Sports. Uh, of course, the Lockdown Raptors thing is in conjunction with FanRag. And across the entire network, all 60-whatever shows that we have covering the NFL and NBA all now have their own Lockdown, or sorry, yeah, Lockdown blank sites on FanRagSports.com. And uh, it's really exciting. It's a great partnership. Uh, internet companies figuring out how to do things together and monetize content. It's pretty great. Um, so, yeah, please find ways to support all those different sites. You know, go read the content that people are putting out. I think some people are going to be kind of like roaming, writing for a bunch of different sites across the network. Uh, so please stay tuned if you, if you like certain writers. Uh, make sure you're checking out their work across the network as they cover each team. Uh, my site's going to be mostly just me. I'm going to try to maintain it as much as I can just myself. Uh, and like I said, it's not going to be totally like full-time, like Blake Murphy-esque coverage of, uh, of the Raptors because A, Blake is impossible to match because he's incredible, but also just because I kind of, I don't write as often. I don't, I don't find joy in writing like news posts and stuff like that because you're getting that stuff everywhere. Everyone has that stuff. The people like Blake have that stuff because they're breaking things and are actually uh, kind of plugged in. Whereas me, I like to write sort of longer things and there'll be some fun stuff that I incorporate as well. Uh, but yeah, it's not going to be a full on like writing multiple things a day, like 10 times a day, posting all the different breakdowns of news and things like that. Uh, it'll be sparing. It'll be a few times a week, uh, hopefully for like, hoping for like 20 articles a month on LockdownRappers.com in addition to the podcast every day. It's kind of what I'm shooting for. Um, so if I get around there, that'll be a success. So hopefully I can do that. Um, but yeah, so make sure you're checking out all the network uh, sites and things like that and all the great content that's coming out because now, in addition to audio, you're getting written stuff as well, which is pretty cool. Um, please find Locked on Raptors on iTunes. Please leave a rating, leave a review. It really helps us out. It helps to move us up the rankings, helps people discover the show, grow our listenership and all that fun stuff. Uh, and I would greatly appreciate anyone who takes the time. There's like 32 ratings on there right now. Uh, it's lovely. It's a lot of people who I uh, am forever indebted to. And you can be one of them as well if you just put a quick little review there, a little rating and stuff like that. I would appreciate it greatly. Um, all right, on today's show, I'm going to dive into last night's very frustrating, annoying, stress-inducing loss to the San Antonio Spurs. It just, this game just, I tweeted last night, if that game had a face, it would be highly punchable. The Spurs are just annoying, man. I think last night put to bed the illusion that the Spurs are this, like, fun, sort of space-it-out, ball-movement kind of team. 
They're just annoying. They're just a try-hard bunch of dudes who play really hard defense on October 23rd when no one else is playing really hard defense on October 23rd, and it got them a win. Uh, the Raptors played reasonably well, I thought. You know, they got a lot of really great looks. They shot 37 threes, and a lot of those were wide open. They did a really good job of creating looks for themselves. It was just... They couldn't get anything going offensively, and, and they couldn't string together just just open shots made. It was, it was brutal. The defense was pretty good. The Spurs weren't, like, blowing anyone away with, like, some creative or, like, fantastic offense. They were just kind of plotting, and they got a million offensive rebounds, and this was kind of the story of the game. Uh, they out-offensive rebound the Raptors 18-5, to uh, out-rebounded totally over the course of the game, 55-34, and it was, that was the story of the game. That's where the possessions came, where the Spurs got back in, because, like, look up and down the roster, no one had a great night offensively, except for maybe DeJounte Murray, who was 6-12, uh, he had 16 points, like, he was pretty good, but, like, LaMarcus Aldridge, 7-16, Danny Green, 6-15, Kyle Anderson, 4-9, uh, Pau Gasol, 0-6, like, all their starters were kind of off on shooting last night, and it didn't really matter because they just got a million rebounds and the Raptors couldn't do anything to stop them. And they really, really missed Jonas Valanciunas. It was very noticeable uh, that Valanciunas was uh, desperately missing this one. And, you know, that's probably strange coming from me, someone who has been critical of Valanciunas in the past. But if there's one thing Valanciunas is elite at across the NBA, it's rebounding. He's incredible. And there are very few guys who are as good rebounders as him. And... No one on the Raptors roster is anywhere as cl- anywhere close to as good a rebounder as Valanciunas, as we saw that last night. Um, you know, Lucas Nogueira started. He played 19 minutes. He was okay for a couple stretches here and there, but overall, just four points, six boards, uh, a couple steals, which were pretty impressive early on. But he was a minus 10 in the game. Had to come in late uh, because Jakob Pertl had played like a really long stretch of minutes, and Serge Ibaka was in foul trouble, so Nogueira came in, in the fourth quarter. That's kind of where the thing fell off for the Raptors. They went. I think they gave up an 11-0 run after they were up six uh, at some point in the fourth quarter, and it just kind of got away from them there. The offense, they just couldn't string together possessions that you know were successful in process but couldn't get the results on them and that ultimately cost them and the rebounding again was was another just enormous thing that they just couldn't do the only guy rebounding for the Raptors was Jakob Pertl he had 12 boards uh, four offensive because that's what he does he just gets a million offensive rebounds uh, and 10 points as well and he was just awesome he had three blocks too um, I'm curious to see if Casey's gonna pull the trigger and just put Pertl in the starting five instead of Noguera in the next game uh, I, you know, for the rotation's sake, it makes sense to have Noguera in there, but he didn't perform very well in the first game he played this season, uh, an extended run, and I'm curious to see maybe if uh, Casey will get a little creative against the Warriors on Wednesday, maybe instead of using Noguera as a backup uh, a backup center, maybe he'll, he'll, they'll try out Pascal Siakam, because uh, Bebe was just awful rebounding. I believe I saw the stats somewhere that uh, the Raptors were gave up all but 29.7% of rebounds when uh, Lucas Noguera was on the floor. That's just not going to cut it. <laughs> like He just didn't have it last night, and uh, Jakob Proto, when he was in there for his 26 minutes, he was really effective, and he sort of was in for all the Raptors' best moments in the game. He was a plus 7 in the game to lead the team, tied with Norm Powell. Uh, we'll get to Powell in a second. He was not very good, but overall, Pirtle, I think, was probably the most impressive player on the night for the Raptors, and probably the biggest positive coming out of it. CJ Miles kind of got back to his old ways, 13 points, 3 of 7 from deep. That was nice to see after a quiet game. I think this is probably like the average of what we're going to see from CJ Miles. He's not going to go 6 of 9 from deep every night and put up 25 points like he did in the opener, and he's also not going to put up 5 points and not hit any threes like he did in the game against the Sixers. Like, this is probably right around his average game, maybe a little bit more in terms of the rest of the stat sheet, but he was, uh, he was fine. He wasn't particularly good or bad. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move! 
Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax, make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. I thought OG Ananobi in his 15 minutes was pretty good as well. The bench continued to be like much more sort of sound and together and obviously just like exuding chemistry than the starting five is. Uh, and of course, this is a brand new starting five for the Raptors again with Noguera in for Valanchunas. And it's the, it's a work in progress right now. And like we're still dealing with incredibly small samples of these guys playing together. Lowry, DeRose, and Ibaka barely played at all together last season between Lowry's injury and the playoffs being a weird sort of uh, testing ground for new lineups. Powell was pretty good in those starting fives in the playoffs last year, of course, but he the last couple of games he's looked a little bit off after looking great in the first game, and mostly just the first half of the first game, but um, he's just kind of forcing things. He missed some open threes last night. Uh, he actually made one really nice play early in the first that got me encouraged. He made a drive to the basket and had like a dart of a kickout pass out to the wing. He doesn't really do that all that often, so that was nice to see that he at least was looking for that play instead of just going up. Uh, other than that, though, he was just kind of disappointing. 2 of 7 from the field, 0 of 3 from deep, 6 points, 4 assists, 3 steals. Uh, the steals were kind of abound last night. The Raptors picked up 11 of them, um, which was kind of fun. But they couldn't really translate it into anything because the Spurs' transition defense was incredible. There were a few times where the Raptors seemed like they had an easy bucket coming down the floor, and then the Spurs just recovered, or the Raptors would kind of pass up an easy shot. There was a one play where uh, I think Lowry passed up uh, an open shot at the, at, the, at the rim right in the fourth quarter. I think he might have passed it to either OG or maybe it was Powell in the corner. I think it was Powell, and Powell missed a wide-open three, and it was it was rough, but, but Lowry could have had an easy layup in that situation. Uh, so they didn't make it any easier on, on themselves, but the Spurs, they play great transition defense. They are just always in your hair, and they were super annoying to play last night, and this that was kind of the overwhelming feeling I got from the game. It felt way more intense than uh, the third game of the season in late October should be. But the Spurs just kind of do that, especially when they don't have Kawhi Leonard. They have to do that. Otherwise, they're not all that talented or good. Um, so they have to play incredible defense and just be up on you the entire time. And that is exactly what they did. Uh, there was some sort of... The whistle felt weird last night. And I'm not like a ref conspirator or anything like that. I don't think there's a whistle against the Raptors or anything. I do think the Spurs probably, because they are always playing at like such a peak level of defense, I think they probably get away with a little bit more defensively just because it's the reputation thing. Um, but yeah, even at the end of the game, like the Raptors had 30 fouls compared to the Spurs 22. It wasn't like a crazy, it felt maybe more like that, more than that watching the game just because it felt like in the fourth quarter the Raptors were getting called for everything and the Raptors I think were in the penalty in the first quarter after like three minutes. Um, but overall, like I think it was a reasonably fairly officiated game, but late in the game, it really did feel like the Spurs were just kind of taking it to the Raptors. And the Raptors, maybe they could have gotten away with more. Maybe they could have pushed it a little bit, a bit more physical back towards the Spurs. But uh, they were getting called for some things, and maybe that just is not really in their nature. Um, but yeah, it was a weird physical game, and like, just chill, Spurs. Like, you don't need to be so physical. They were also just blocking everything. Danny Green had five blocks, Gasol had three. Uh, Anderson had two. One of them, I think, was, or I think he blocked Norm Powell twice on threes, which was uh, 
a little disappointing. Actually, no, he blocked Lowry once and then Powell once. But yeah, it just felt like there were fingers on everything for the Raptors. There was no room to breathe. It was a very claustrophobic game. And it was just not the best night for the Raptors. It kind of led to some panic uh, among people I was sort of following on Twitter last night watching the game. And I mean... It's one loss, and overall things are probably fine. I think the sort of biggest source of concern and panic so far from people has been that Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan have not looked good. And DeRozan was fine last night. He had 28 points, 10 of 20 from the field. Uh, even hit two of five threes, which is pretty nice. Uh, he kind of rallied in, late in the game to kind of fix his numbers a little bit, I think. But Lowry in particular was rough. Uh, he played 35 minutes, 8 points, 3 of 11 shooting, 2 of 8 from deep, 3 assists, 2 rebounds. Like I said, he got at least one three blocked. Might have been more than that. He just wasn't effective, and he was a minus eight, uh, worst on the team, and you could see it. He just didn't look right, and people are already saying, oh, playoff Lowry's here, playoff Lowry's making an appearance in the regular season, oh, he's done, he's wearing down. Uh, That's probably not true. He was pretty good on Saturday against the Sixers. He only played like 25 minutes and had like 17 points. Like He was fine. He shot reasonably well in that game, if I recall. It's early season. Kyle Lowry last year had a really rough start to the season. If you remember, the reason it kind of went under the radar is because DeMar DeRozan was scoring 30 points every night, and it wasn't really a problem because the Raptors were winning games, and it was fine. Uh, and Lowry kind of worked things out. And then in November and December, he set, like, late November into December and January, he just set the world on fire with his shooting. And he ended up having a career season before he got cut short by the injury. Um, he was unbelievable last year. That's despite a couple weeks at the start of the year where he was really off. I think we're probably going to see that again. Like, I'm not d- discounting Kyle Lowry coming out against the Warriors on Wednesday and having a Kyle Lowry performance, or like against the Jazz next week, which a team that he seems to always demolish. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a Kyle Lowry FQ game in that game either. So I think it's way too early to be sort of worrying about what the Raptors or what Kyle Lowry is this season if he's sort of going on the decline. I mean, that's coming at some point. It just is. He's 31. It's going to happen at some point. But, like, there's no reason to suggest, like, he's just going to suffer this big a drop-off from last year in the first three games of this season, and it's just going to stick. It's just, it's not realistic. And it's been a weird start to the season, too. The Raptors' first two games were, like, extended preseason because the Bulls were just not even remotely close to being a challenge. And the Sixers, maybe if they had Joel Embiid, it would have been something more. And, like, Ben Simmons has been really good. He had a triple-double last night, which was pretty cool. But, um, like, overall, the Sixers aren't a very good team yet either. They're still finding their way. And it just, both of the first two games just felt like preseason games because you got a lot of bench time in. You got garbage time. You got young guys playing a bunch. You have the starters playing around 30 minutes or less. And there was just no real way to find a groove. Honestly, it would have been better, you think, maybe, for the Raptors to go into this road trip where they're coming up against some pretty tough opponents and maybe have you know, a stretch of a couple games where they actually were challenged by the team they were playing uh, just so they could kind of set the rotations for when things matter. It's, it felt like Casey last night was kind of searching for what his late unit was going to be. Uh, there was a time, I think, late in the third quarter where Ibaka came in and they went with the small unit that we've talked about of Lowry, DeRozan, Powell, Miles, and Ibaka, the small. And it was kind of a weird decision considering how badly they were getting out-rebounded, but maybe you can make that difference up with three-point shots if you have that lineup out there but they didn't uh because Ibaka picked up a foul like two seconds later and had to come out and it it never really kind of clicked for that lineup either I think we'll see that at some point I'm almost guaranteed we'll see it against the Warriors at some point because that's just the way you got to attack the Warriors unless you want to get completely run off the floor with your bigs um but yeah I, I think 
it's just it's a work in progress right now there was not a lot of time over the course of the first two games to really find a groove and you go on this road trip and you have the spurs who were just this oppressive team who are always up in your grill they're just completely in your shirt the entire game and that's just it's a lot to deal with it's a lot to handle and if you haven't had a you know a, a time where you can kind of learn each other and, and and be adjusted like the spurs are the most adjusted and well-learned team in the league and it's going to take time for any team to sort of get up to a groove where you can kind of take that on and know exactly where you're supposed to be and the ways you want to try to get around their defense. And the Raptors just didn't have it yet. They're not, they're not there. The starting five is still working its way through things, even though it kind of found itself against the Sixers for a little bit. That's the Sixers defense, and that's nothing to be proud of, I don't think. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. But it's going to get better from here. Like, of the main concerns, I would say Lowry is, I mean, probably the concern people are most talking about right now. And also, can we stop? Uh, just This This is a tangent that I'm mad about. Uh, there was the sort of report from, I think it was Jabari Young from the San Antonio Express uh, talking to Kyle Lowry. And Kyle was saying how San Antonio was a destination that he was very interested in in the offseason. Why do we care about this? Kyle Lowry signed with the Raptors now. It doesn't matter. It was an interview. What's he supposed to say? Like, uh, I don't know. Say maybe it wasn't inter- like it would be a lie. Like, why lie when you can just be honest and say, yeah, this is a team I was interested in. And it was no secret that Kyle Lowry was interested in maybe going somewhere else over the course of the summer. And the fact that he's back back with the Raptors is both a lucky thing because the market kind of depressed itself. And also, I think it speaks to Lowry wanting to be here. I don't think he's coming back for just because he doesn't want to be around just for the money. Like, I mean, that's silly probably is. Um, but I, I think Kyle Lowry wants to be here. I don't think that's any question either. I don't think that's like tied into how he's played the first three games. I don't think I've seen that take yet, but I'm sure it exists somewhere on the Internet. Um, so it, let's not worry about Kyle Lowry saying he was interested in the Spurs because if you ask most players, I think they'd probably say, yeah, I'd like to play for the Spurs one day because that seems like a pretty good setup and you're probably going to win a lot of games and maybe win a title because Greg Popovich is amazing. And last night was just kind of proof that Popovich is amazing, by the way. Like, God damn it. They're so annoying defensively. Anyway, uh, but yeah, so Lowry, if that's the biggest concern, here's my the way I've been thinking about it is through the first two games first three games had Lowry and DeRozan been incredible and DeRozan's been pretty decent I think the last couple of games at least had both Lowry and DeRozan been incredible and sort of doing their thing from last season but the young guys kind of looked lost and the offense was kind of unchanged and was still sticking with the old habits I'd be a lot more concerned but there's very clearly a commitment to changing the offense uh, the offense 37 threes last night that's something the Raptors like never did last season it's incredible that they've committed this hard so fast to, to just changing the way they play you can see it especially in the second unit with the ball pinging around and it makes sense that the second unit has figured it out sooner these are guys who either are just coming into the league and learning new habits and just kind of 
are being given what they're given. They haven't been ingratiated into the system for five years, and they're not trying to change things on the fly. These guys are players who are either coming right in or who have been from from other systems that have effectively moved the ball as well. Um, so it's no surprise that the bench is looking pretty good and being able to sort of adapt to the new normal a lot faster than the starters. And the starters have been stuck in this same offense for the last five or six years. And that's not a bad thing. Like, the offense has been the same, but it's also been damn effective. And it makes sense that Lowry and DeRozan would be the last ones to sort of adjust to it. Uh, I think DeRozan's done a good job the last couple games of, you know, kind of finding the balance between when to attack and when to sort of dish off to other guys. He's not forcing too much. I think his efficiency is probably going to be much improved this season in terms of his field goal percentage because he's not forcing as many bad shots. Zach Lowe tweeted out uh, that the Raptors are near the bottom of the league in, in shots from the like the medium and short mid-range uh, and long mid-range twos as well. Uh, they're just not, those shots aren't part of the shot chart anymore. And that used to be such a huge part of the shot chart in the past. There's a clear, you know, commitment to changing. And I, I don't think Dwayne Casey's going to let them go astray just because they struggled for one game against the Spurs. I think it's going to continue and it's going to have to continue if they want to sort of try to change the identity of the team going into the playoffs. And Lowry and DeRozan are always going to be the last ones to catch up to this because they have the most bad habits to change. It's not even bad habits, just the most habits from the previous offense to change. And I think it's going to be fine. Lowry's a guy who can fit into any system. Dwayne Casey's talked about Lowry being able to sort of adjust to what's going on a little bit better than what DeMar DeRozan can is because Lowry's a guy who can shoot threes and he's always been a good playmaker, whereas DeRozan's still kind of working and trying to find spaces within the offense to get the shots off that he's comfortable with. Um, and yeah, one other thing that I guess was noted uh, on Twitter by uh, Cooper Smither at Coop NBA, uh, Raptors Republic. Make sure you're following him, by the way. My God, he's so smart and, and really good with the breakdowns and video. He made an interesting point last night talking about how Lowry doesn't have as many pick-and-roll creation opportunities in this offense. And I think that's, if there's a real concern, it might be that. Just Lowry's so good when he has the ball in his hands, and there's just less opportunity for him with this egalitarian offense they're trying to run. And that might be cutting into his effectiveness. I think he'll probably adjust. I think he'll find ways to be effective. And I think once his three-pointers start dropping, that'll kind of be mitigated a little bit because you'll just realize that his production's coming from a different place in that it's coming from when he's attacking closeouts or when he's just actually hitting threes when they're coming to him instead of going two for eight like he was last night. Um, I think we'll sort of see the uptick in production just through that. Uh, But yeah, that's a concern for sure. And that's one thing that the Raptors are going to have to figure out. And I think... There's still kind of a pendulum that's going to swing here. Maybe the next couple of games, if things go poorly against the Warriors, maybe they swing back towards their old habits where it's very Lowry and DeRozan and high pick and roll heavy. Um, and maybe it kind of changes and goes back the other way where if they're trying to adjust and, and maybe they go all the way back to the first couple of games where it's, where it's like a heavy, heavy ball movement focus for the team and a lot of threes. I think it's eventually going to fall somewhere in the middle. And this was always going to be the case early in the season. I think the couple, first couple of games where they just blew out the Bulls and Sixers probably kind of raised expectations to an unreasonable level as to how quickly the offense was going to adjust and just kind of be uh, a sort of finely tuned unit. I think it's going to take some time for them to figure everything out. And there's going to be a bit of a swing back and forth between the two styles. And Dwayne Casey said last week after the Bulls game that you know, you can maybe expect that there's going to be multiple styles and maybe they'll play like sort of a blend of two styles or semi-styles. And I think that's totally okay. I think if you can have, if you at least know that you can go to one style of offense or the other, that's good to have in your back pocket. You know, you can use it against different teams. You can sort of focus the attention uh, with Lowry and DeRozan more often for a certain matchup. And then you can kind of go to the more ball movement heavy system if it's a team that demands that. And the Raptors just didn't have the second part in their repertoire last year. That's why against the 
Bucks and against the the Cavs, they struggled because they just couldn't find a way to play differently. If the Raptors can master a couple different ways to play well, I think that's totally cool. You don't have to be the Atlanta Hawks from a couple years ago where they just moved the ball and everybody scored 15 points every game. You can actually have an offense where Larry and DeRozan are still the focal points, but you can also fall back on the ball movement principles that are going to make you a more potent playoff team. And I don't think that's uh, out of the question. I think there are a lot of teams that can do it. And I think the Raptors are one of them. They have the personnel where if they want to play two styles, they can. And I think that's going to kind of eventually be what it looks like. We're still in the early days here, and I think the offense is going to be fine. So that's not really a concern for me. Um, And just there aren't many concerns at all. Considering how good the young guys have looked, I think it's a surprise. I think that was sort of the biggest question mark coming into the season. And the fact that they've looked right at home, the fact that OG Ananobi is playing and has clearly become the backup power forward already is, I think, gravy. And I think no one really expected that, so that's awesome. Um, One thing I think that might be a bit of concern and might dig into the effectiveness of the bench at some point is DeLon shooting. Um, he has been rough so far from three. He's only hit one three so far this season. He was 0-3 last night. And eventually that's going to kind of hurt, I think, the ability of that second unit to create offense because really that, offense, that, that unit doesn't have a whole lot of just like shot creation or anything like that. It relies a lot on DeLon diving into the defense and sort of starting things that way, blowing by guys, being crafty, kind of you know putting people on their heels and if you don't have DeLon Wright, you know, being able to blow by guys because guys, it seems, are just laying off of him, I think that could cut into the effectiveness of the bench. But uh, that remains to be seen. Maybe he can get better. Maybe he can kind of – maybe the small sample is still way too small right now to figure out. But uh, so far, he's shooting just 10% from three, which is a problem if you want to have an effective unit with him being the focal point. Um, I don't think it'll be 10% all season. It'll probably be somewhere around 30% or something like that. But it's something to keep an eye on for sure because that is uh, that, that, that's a concern if he can't hit a three just to save his life. He's had quite a few wide-open threes that he just – it feels like there's no hope when it goes up. And OG's kind of been the same a little bit. And those shooting issues at the second unit, I think, are probably starting to creep in a little bit more. But even then, like, you look at where the three-pointers are coming from from the Raptors, and most of it is concentrated within Lowry, within Ibaka, within C.J. Miles and Norm Powell. Like, those are the guys taking most of the threes. And I think that's fine. If a couple threes a night from DeLon or OG go haywire, like, I don't think that means they're a bad shooting team overall because I think the, the, the threes are mostly concentrated within their best shooters that you know are pretty good shooters. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a dumb game. <laughs> this, the Spurs are super annoying. Uh, don't want to see the Spurs for a while. If, if I never see the Spurs again, I'm cool. I think last night, again, kind of put... Uh, it was a very like strong argument against the narrative that the Spurs are any sort of cool or fun. They're just kind of annoying. They're, they're just very try-hardy, especially without Kawhi Leonard. It's super annoying. But um, it is what it is. The Raptors are 2-1. They'll play the Warriors tomorrow and probably lose, and that's cool too. Um, this was always expected. It was always going to be a really hard stretch of the season, and the fact that the Raptors are getting their longest road trip out of the way in the first couple weeks, while it might kind of hurt the record to start the season, I think it'll be fine. You get that out of the way, and you just kind of go on with the schedule from there, and the Easter's, Eastern Conference is bad. There will be times where the Raptors can go on a run throughout the season, and if this is a bit of a hiccup, I think that's totally okay, and as long as the Raptors are sticking to sort of trying to change their identity, I think nothing. it's all going to be fine, so don't worry about it too much. Uh, it's one loss. It was an annoying loss, and the fourth quarter was a bummer, but overall, it doesn't mean the Raptors are any less healthy today than they were two days ago. So uh, that's all I got for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please go to LockedOnRaptors.com and check out the couple things I've written there. Should have another thing tonight, kind of breaking down some of the concerns that have arisen through a few games and saying whether or not I think they're valid. I kind of did that, did that on this podcast, but I'll do a little bit more in depth uh, on, on the site. 
And uh, I'm going to have a podcast later on today. It's going to drop on Wednesday. I'm going to Fall Out Boy tomorrow, so I can't do it. On, uh, why am I going to Fall Out Boy in 2017? But anyway, I'm going to Fall Out Boy tomorrow, so I'm not going to be able to do a podcast during the day. And uh, so I'm going to record a podcast tonight with Hugo Catano from Unstoppable Baby. I'm going to talk about the Warriors, and that'll be great. So make sure you tune in for that on Wednesday. I'll drop that early in the morning. And yeah, it's going to be awesome. Follow me on Twitter at WoodleySean, at LockedOnRaptors. Subscribe, rate, review, all the fun stuff. Uh, please do that. It helps out very much. And uh, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Have a great one, everyone. And uh, don't be too sad about this loss. Cheers. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 